my clay back. And now, I may be a white boy, but I'm not stupid. This is the Lars Larson Show. Somebody at the White House has been smoking the devil's lettuce. Honestly, provocative talk radio. More than half the women in my cabinet, more than more than half the people in my cabinet, more than half the women in my administration are women. Lars. Our beloved republic is in the hands of madmen. This is a dark day. No, here's your host. I almost lost my wife, my 67 Corvette. And my cat, Lars Larson. Welcome back to Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you on a Monday. Always glad to get to your phone calls. And I want to ask you this question. How much more evidence is it going to take before Republicans grow a spine uh, or whatever part of their body they need to grow to be able to go after Joe Biden for high crimes and misdemeanor? I'm going to tell you in a moment the latest information that broke today that directly ties Cash from China to Joe Biden personally. That seems to be what a lot of you have been waiting for. When I get a naysayer call, they'll say, okay, fine, the Biden crime family took in $24 million. But how much of it actually went to Joe personally? Well, we've got the partial answer to that today. And if that isn't enough, I think there's a reason that on Friday there were members of Congress who said, including Speaker Mike Johnson, who said, we think we're getting close to having enough Republicans who are willing to vote for the impeachment of Joe Biden. And I'll tell you why I think that's so important. But first, welcome to the Lars Larson Show. If you want to jump into the best conversation and talk journalism, it's right here every day at 866-HEY-LARS. Yeah, it's 866-439-5277. If you happen to be a naysayer, I'm going to put you right to the head of the line. And I get a lot of naysayers who say, well, Lars, but has what crime has Joe Biden committed? High crimes and misdemeanors, as was made very, very clear by the founders of this country, including Alexander Hamilton, did not involve actual crimes. It meant when you have violated the public trust. And how do I know that? Because I've read some, but not all, of the Federalist Papers that describe what was in the Constitution, what is in the Constitution today, and what the founders of this country actually intended. And I think Joe Biden fits it to a T. High Crimes and Misdemeanors by Joe Biden. But if you want to jump in, 866-HEY-LARS, 866-439-5277. If you'd like to send an email, talk at LarsLarson.com. Pretty easy to remember. And, of course, you can vote in our Twitter poll. We put up a brand new question each and every day from the news of the day. And you may not have heard about this elsewhere, but there are two United States senators, one a Republican, believe it or not, and one a Democrat. It's Crapo from Idaho and Wyden from Oregon. And they are proposing that America create one more brand new tax called a digital services tax that would be modeled after what they're doing in Europe. I think usually whatever Europe is doing is not a great example of how to get things done. But what they want to do is put a tax on streaming, digital products, software, advertising, and, of course, they want to collect more consumer information. So the tax would fall, at least notably, on Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, and Disney Plus in the streaming services for customers And then you'd have to say, well, how does it apply to Amazon Prime? Because most of what Amazon Prime is is a delivery discount service. You can buy stuff there. But they also have free movies and videos as a secondary benefit if you sign up for the service. Now, I happen to use Amazon Prime from time to time. That's okay. I've got a dog in the fight. 
But why would you want to add a tax to that? And I think when I've been asked that question, I say, well, the government taxes things because it can. They don't actually have to show that they need the money, that they don't need the money. They don't need more tax money. What they need is some spending restraint, which they don't seem to have, both Republicans and Democrats. So why would they want more money? Uh, you know, it's like what Willie Sutton said about robbing banks. Why do you rob the banks? Because that's where they keep the money. And why do you tax citizens? Because that's who's got the money. So should the Congress force Americans to pay a tax on streaming services, including notably Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, Disney Plus and the like? And I've had a few people tell me, but Lars, they'll just pass that cost along to the customers. I got to tell you something. For most private companies, if you raise the price in other, in, in order to pay the government's tax, you're going to lose some of your customers. You may even lose enough of your customers that you will lose more than you gain by raising the price. So just saying pass it along, that isn't necessarily going to work. Today's Twitter poll can be found at Lars Larson Show and brought to you by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. AMAC has the conservative values I believe in. I join, you should too. Just go to amac.us or call 888-262-2006. AMAC is better, better for you and better for America. Let me just give you the latest details on what has come out about Joe Biden just a few hours ago, and then I'll get to phone calls. So what have they now determined? The House Oversight Committee has now found banking records that show direct payments from the corporation owned by and controlled by Hunter Biden, receiving millions of dollars from the Chinese communists. And some of that money got sent directly to Joe Biden in the form of checks. Now, I'll remind you that Joe Biden has explicitly said he never made any money from China. He has said his son, Hunter Biden, made no money from China. We now know that both of those are absolute lies. They are provable lies. And why is that important? Because when you go back and look at what high crimes and misdemeanors represents in the Constitution, the founders believe that when you violate the public's trust. Now, can you think of a more direct violation of the public trust than an American president or at the time Vice President Joe Biden would peddle influence through his son? His son would get the money. Some of it would flow to Joe. Some of it flowed to other members of the family and then lie about to the American public. Do you think that that constitutes a breach of the trust between the president and his constituents? Add to that the fact that right now Joe Biden is selling our energy future to China. Actually, he's not selling it. If he was selling it, we'd get something for it. Instead, he's giving it away to his Chinese communist buddies. So it does promise to have a real effect on your life. You can find the Twitter poll and answer all the rest. If you want to jump in, it's 866-HEY-LARS. Let's go first to Matthew. Hey, Matthew, welcome to the Lars Larson Show on this Monday. What's on your mind? Hey, Matthew. Oh, it sounds like Matthew maybe decided to take a powder. I'll tell you what, we'll check on and see if he comes back. That's a disappointment because I'm curious. He was saying that pop, uh, polarization is hurting the United States. Actually, I think polarization is one of the positives out there because it tends to give citizens a real choice. You can say, I want this or I want that. 
if you want more of what we've been getting for the last three years under Joe Biden, more invasion of America by illegal aliens, more energy crippling of the country, more wars, because Joe Biden has managed to get us in conflicts where? A conflict in Afghanistan that took lives and led to leaving billions of dollars worth of sophisticated weaponry behind with a notorious terrorist organization. Uh, associations with Hamas by funding Hamas and its terrorist acts on October the 7th. And who paid for it? Joe Biden did by giving all that money to the mad mullahs in Tehran, Iran. And, of course, we're in the conflict in Ukraine that seems to have no end. And the price tag has now shot into the hundreds of millions of dollars. And we've got the very real possibility because of Joe Biden's fecklessness that China might actually take over Taiwan or try to take over Taiwan. We can be in that conflict as well. Glad to get your calls and your emails. Coming up in a moment, why is an anti-religion group calling for the resignation of our friend, the superintendent of schools for Oklahoma? We're going to talk to Ryan Walters coming up next. Lots of folks worry about their firearms, but Lars doesn't have to worry about Biden taking his guns. He stores them upstairs. This is the Lars Larson Show. Big Iron on his Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you, and I consider it a real honor to welcome to the program Ryan Walters, since he is now the subject of calls for his resignation. Because his critics, and and I think his critics are rather estimable, uh, his critics are saying, why, you have not fulfilled your constitutional duties, and you have flagrant political posturing, you're a disgrace to your office. Considering the source, Superintendent Walters, I I think you should wear it as a a badge of honor that this bunch wants your resignation. Oh, absolutely, Lars. That's exactly how I view it. You know, when you have a radical left-wing atheist group from Wisconsin targeting you and saying you should resign because you're not stopping kids who are voluntarily praying in a school from doing that. It's outrageous, isn't it, Lars? Isn't it amazing the world we've seen on faith in our schools? I mean, now they're saying, so this was a, so your listeners know the context. We had a school in Oklahoma. Kids were coming on. They do intercoms. they, They do announcements. They do all these things. And a lot of the kids would do a Bible verse or they would say a prayer. This out of state group came in and told them to stop. Again, nobody's making the kids do it. The kids just wanted to do it. So I came out and said, absolutely, you do not need to stop, and we will not allow them to bully you. So once you go out to California, you know, you radical atheist group, and, hey, they'll, they'll welcome you with open <laughs> arms. Well, now they want me to resign. Well, let me tell you something. That, that, that's obviously not going to happen. And, again, I do wear it as a badge, badge of honor here. I mean, just so people understand what's happening, it, it, and is it Prague Elementary School? Is that the way they say it? Prague. At Prague Elementary School, uh, Freedom From Religion Foundation is saying that because kids on their own are saying a Bible verse along with the school announcements, I did that when I was in school as well, you get to go down and talk over a mic and tell everybody what the lunch menu is and all the other things that they put in the morning announcements, and the kids are doing it on their own, they're actually asking you as a representative of government to order little citizens named, you know, children, but little citizens all the same, not to engage in religious speech. 
They don't see the constitutional problem with that? No, they don't. And it really, they show their hand really clear with this, don't they? They want there to absolutely be no exercise of any type of faith unless it's atheism. And I keep saying atheism. You guys, it is a religion to the left. I mean, it, honestly, it's a, it's a cult. They want everybody. There's no acknowledgement of God. They erase God from our history. They're challenging little boys and little girls, taking away their First Amendment rights. Why? Because heaven forbid someone actually mention God or have a free expression of their religious beliefs in a school. And it shows you, ultimately, that's what they want. They want state-sponsored atheism by running God out. They are targeting teachers, and now they're targeting kids. We're just not going to stand for it here in Oklahoma. Well, i got to tell you something, Ryan. You, you reminded me of a friend of mine uh, by the name of Lionel. He's another talker, and, and he and I have had some fun times together. Uh, he, he and I took a trip to, uh, to Israel at one point. But I remember one, one of the lines that stuck in my head was, if, if not believing in God is a religion, then not collecting stamps must be a hobby. And, and it just, the atheists, I mean, I think their religion is they hate Christians, or they, in particular, they may hate other religions as well, but these are groups that don't just say, we're happy not to believe in God. Well, then why would my belief in God bother you? Well, it does. It seems to get under their skin in a way that I usually don't see truly religious people, what, no matter what they believe in, Christianity, Judaism, or, or Islam. Uh, you, you know, the fact that somebody doesn't believe, as Christians, we'd say, well, that's sad. You know, I wish they did believe, and I, I would persuade them if they'd let me. But other than that, it doesn't get under your skin. But atheists seem to hate the idea that anybody believes in God. That's exactly right. And, and by the way, look at what it's done to our society. Since the 1960s, left-wing Supreme Court started targeting Christians and driving any kind of faith out of our schools. What have we seen? We have seen moral decay in our society. We have seen the um, drug use go up. We've seen STDs go up. We've seen children out of wedlock go up. We have seen the breakdown of the family, the breakdown of societal morals, because what we have done is we have allowed the left to turn our schools into anti-Christian, anti-faith institutions that our kids go through school and are told they can never mention God. Any expression of it is just—and notice the reaction. I mean, if you tell a little kid and you act like it's the worst thing they've ever done to say a Bible verse on their own volition, that kid is being sent these messages from people they look up to that, I, I guess this is bad. I guess we shouldn't do this. And you grow up with a society like we've got now. We have got to get back to our roots. We've got to get back to our foundation. The country was built on Judeo-Christian values, and we were built with the free expression of our religious beliefs, and we have got to get back that in our schools. i gotta, I, I got to ask you something. I, I don't know if it would aid your cause, not legally, I mean, because they're not taking legal action demanding your resignation, I take it. They're just saying, we demand your resignation. Has the Freedom From Religion Foundation ever come out and demanded the cessation of Islam in public, in public schools? Have they ever done that? Do you know? Uh, not as far as I know of. Right, right now, all I've seen is they're targeting towards these Christian groups is what I've seen. Yeah, so in other words, they're not an anti-religion group. They're an anti-Christian group because I don't know what happens in the state of Oklahoma. Maybe you can tell me. But over the years, I've objected when I see schools that say, you know, the Bible isn't welcome, crosses aren't welcome, religious uh, practice is not welcome. They even want to say a national holiday, the only religious national holiday uh, in, of the federal government, which is Christmas, which is specifically a Christian belief. It's not 
it's not Islam, it's not Judaism, uh, that, that they, they then say, but we can teach the five pillars of Islam to our kids or, and to your kids as well. And I've had so many parents tell me, my kid came home with a, an exercise to learn the five pillars of Islam. And I say, well, if they're going to teach the five pillars of Islam, they ought to be teaching the Ten Commandments as well. You know, in other words, everybody in or nobody in, one or the other, and a lot of, but probably not in Oklahoma. I just don't know. And I'm curious whether the Freedom From Religion Foundation has ever gone after, say, a Jewish group or a Muslim group. Oh, you know, that's a good question. You know, what we continue to see is hey, they've got no problem with the with the pushing of atheism of saying they don't believe there is a God. They they believe that evolution took place. They believe that the creation uh, w- w- didn't happen. There was a Big Bang theory. And they go through and hey, look, they got no problem with those being being talked about and those being pushed not as theory, but as reality. But but heaven forbid, yeah, you have a, a, a competing point of view, and you have someone from the Christian faith actually express their religious beliefs. And that's where ultimately, hey, we're going to say Merry Christmas in Oklahoma. We're not going to allow them to take the holiday season away from our kids. We're not going to allow them to take Christianity um, away from our kids. We're not going to allow them to attack any faith. And so that, that means the protection of those expression of those religious beliefs. And again, the Freedom From Religion Foundation, they're bullies, and they try to bully and intimidate people. And the left has gotten away with this for far too long. We are absolutely going to punch them back. We're not going to allow it in Oklahoma, and they need to find some other state to go, because I'm going to tell you, they're not going to win anything over here in Oklahoma. Well, I'll tell you what I want to do. I'm going to ask my executive producer, uh, because we both make phone calls and send emails, and we ask liberal groups on all the time. And I would think that atheists or anything, if they're not a liberal group, I don't know what they are. But I'll ask the foundation if they're willing to come on, because I'd love to have them admit we want the superintendent to silence children who've chosen to say Bible verses. Well, you you would be and I would have to disagree with you, Ryan. And no, most of the time I don't disagree with you. But if you said we're going to specifically allow kids to talk about the lunch menu or, or the Friday night dance, we can talk about anything you want as long as you don't mention religion. I would tell you, Ryan, and I know you're not going to do this, but I would say you're breaking the First Amendment to the Constitution because you're mm-hmm. telling citizens they can't talk. They can talk about everything they want as long right. as it's not religion. Yep. That is a that is a first class First Amendment violation. That's right. And, and, you know, and I know you're on over the nation tonight, and that's the reality. Look at what they're doing in a red state. They're doing it all across the country. They're doing it in red state. They're doing it in blue states. They're doing it in purple states. If, if they can't beat you with policies through a state capital through the legislature, they are getting attorney groups to file these lawsuits to threaten people and take away your religious liberties that way. So if they can't win in court, they're just going to come after you and threaten you with lawsuits. And what happens most of the time? The schools just back down because they don't want to go to court over these type of things. We have got to fight back, though. We can't be scared of lawsuits. We can't be scared of these left-wing activists. All across the country, we have to stand up for the country while we've still got it. Absolutely right. That's Ryan Walters. He is the superintendent of schools for the great state of Oklahoma. Coming up in a moment, while January 6th protesters face years in prison for just walking into the Capitol, BLM gets away with the Lars Larson Show.
The 40th President of the United States always knew where to put the blame. You have blamed mistakes of the past, and you blame the Congress. Does any of the blame belong to you? Yes, because for many years I was a Democrat. This is the Lars Larson Show. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you, and I want to make a little comparison in a moment between the January 6th protesters from now almost three years ago who merely walked inside the Capitol in some cases and 2020 BLM agitators who get probation for literally burning down some private buildings. But let me do that in a moment. First, I want to go to your calls. Let's start with Brian in Indiana. Hey, Brian, welcome to the Lars Larson Show on a Monday night. What's on your mind? Well, I was just uh, tilling down the road listening to your show and the question was raised, I think, by yourself, uh, something to the effect of why the FFRF, I believe it's called, uh, doesn't ever go after Muslims. I plug that into a Google search, and their website says they do. Uh, it says, in fact, it does take issue with the government promoting or favoring any religion, of course, including Islam. So you may want to pursue that further uh, on their website. Okay, and I, I will do that, Brian. I didn't have time to do that while I was talking to uh, Ryan Walters. But I'm curious. They claim they're against it. And yet, Brian, I don't know about you, probably not in a state like Indiana because it's kind of a sensible, God-fearing state. But from other states like California, I can't count the number of times I've had parents complain to me about their kids being you know, told to study the five pillars of Islam or, or any of those things. Uh, and, and, and I've never heard one of these groups go after them. Now, they may say yeah. philosophically they have, but wouldn't you think they'd cite at least an example or two? Having not gone to their website, we're going to invite somebody from the FRF yeah, to come good. on the program. Yeah. And talk about it. I think that's a good idea. That's a good idea. Cool. Okay. Th- thanks very much. I appreciate the uh, the heads up. Uh, let's go to Linda. Hey, Linda, welcome to the Lars Larson Show. What's on your mind? Yeah, hi. There is so much that I disagree with you. I don't know where to begin. Uh, <laughs> that's great. Uh, the uh, January 6th people merely walked into the Capitol. Some of them Are you did. kidding me? Yeah, some Are of them did. Are you kidding me? No, oh, I'm not. OK, Linda, like I can say I'm not kidding you three or four okay. times because there uh, were people who were convicted for merely walking into the building. Were uh, you under the impression something different happened? OK, to walk in there with with guns and, and weapons and and what there were no guns. Found. And, there were no guns uh, confiscated, okay. no gun okay. charges brought. Okay, Linda, are you aware of that? No, you weren't aware of that. The other thing is. Where did you come up with we are founded in the Christian Judeo's, uh, Judeo uh, tradition? I think we are founded uh, by, by on studying the lives of the of Linda. Religion. I'll answer your question if you'll let me answer. If you're not really interested in it, okay. oftentimes no, liberals and progressives don't really want to ask a question please and answer. get an answer. Okay, answer. the the founders of this country. If you read about Washington, Jefferson, Madison, the whole list, for the most part, were Christians, and they wrote a constitution that they, in which they said all religions would be accepted, even those with no religion. In fact, specifically, can I finish? Specifically, the constitution forbids any religious test. Now, at the time, Linda, if all those, if the founders of this country had said, let's have a Christian-only country, where the official, re- and there were some states that tried to become Christian-only yeah, states. there are some states now that want to do that. Well, are which one? Name one. The speaker, the speaker of your house now wants to make the church um, uh, run the government. 
Hold on, hold on. T- tell me that. where Mike Johnson has ever said that he wants the church to run our government. That. I no. have read it. He has no, said no, that. no. You've been reading the talking he points said, way too he long, said Linda. That the separation of church and state does applies to the state not getting into the business yes. of the church. But and not Linda, do you know the history of government? Linda, Linda hold on. Do you, do you, I feel like I'm in one of those yeah. sound Go bites. Ahead. Go ahead. You know where the, the idea of separation of church and state comes from, don't you? Uh, from um, the Constitution. No, I mean. it is not in the Constitution. Okay. It, it was a letter written by Jefferson to a group of ministers, and his point was the government has no business either promoting or restricting religion, but it never <laughs> said that religion cannot play a role in our government. And and that nor does that mean that we have a Christian only government. That's why okay. routinely, even even idiots like Joe Biden routinely end speeches with "and God bless America." Why our currency okay. says "in God okay. we trust." Okay. Why the okay. hold on? Got I'm going to finish. I'm going to finish, Linda. No matter how much you don't want to hear it, if you walked into you the U.S. Time. Supreme Court chambers, do you know what you see in bar relief all over the walls of the chambers of the U.S. Supreme Court? In, in God we believe, probably. No, no. You actually see a uh, bar relief that Jesus or Christianity. See, she doesn't. She doesn't even want to know. Okay, what, tell what, me what it says. Well, what, what you have is a bar relief that tells stories from the Bible. So you had a country founded by Christians, including George Washington and Thomas Jefferson and Franklin. Okay, so let's hang everybody who's not Christian. Nobody ever said that. Not even the founders said that. Why would you okay, react so that way? Why would you, you react that way? Linda, I made it a point to say to you that the Constitution actually forbids a religious test for public office. In other words, okay. you could you could never say we, we don't want that person on the Supreme Court if that person is Catholic. Although liberal progressives like yourself tried to get Amy Coney Barrett held off the court because she's Catholic. I don't happen to be Catholic, but there is to be no religious test for public office in America. I understand that. I understand that, Lars. Now, uh, if, okay, so if the, if the issue is freedom of speech, are you, are you okay with a little child, uh, third year, third grader saying, I don't believe God in God over the uh, loudspeaker of the school? Yes, okay although, that? although okay. Linda, saying okay. you don't... Hold on, can I ask you something? Is not yeah. believing in something a religion? Uh, no, it's not, but that's the freedom of... No, but of, is of believing in something. So, so when I say, now I'll ask you a question back, and I'd actually like an answer. When these yeah. kids in Oklahoma get on the morning announcements, you were probably in school at some point, and you heard the morning okay. announcements typically cover the lunch menu and a bunch of other things, assemblies and things like that. Actually, Do I'm you, told we hold didn't on, have Linda, that. Linda, should the government run school order that child not to talk about religion? No, they can talk about religion, but then the other child can, can say, I'm a Muslim or I'm an atheist. Yeah, exactly. That's, I have no problem with fine. that. And yet, why is there so much antipathy toward Christians specifically in this country? I hear almost every day from the White House about Islamophobia, but I don't hear Joe Biden ever talk about Christophobia. Uh, you know, I, I think you guys are representative in, enough. You, you and don't I, want to I really, answer my I, question, I do you, the, Linda? I Linda, do you know what Christian you tell the audience when you, when, you've, when you clearly dodge a question? Do you know what you're telling the audience? That you're wrong. 
I am, huh? Okay. Well, I'm right. ask, I will ask you again. Okay, should, ask again. should the government order a child not to speak about religion? That's what the Freedom From Religion Foundation wants. No, no they shouldn't. They shouldn't. All right, um, so, should the government see, forbid a child from talking about being gay? Where does the government do that? Uh, let's see. In Florida, they tried no, it? No, not true. Not true. Yeah. What it says is mm-hmm. government employees like teachers are forbidden to indoctrinate kids on sexual matters. And do you think that okay. children should be? Do you think that the teachers? I mean, if I walked into a classroom as a teacher and I said, well, I'm a heterosexual and I think we've had heterosexual societies on planet Earth for thousands of years. Do you think yeah. it would be right for somebody like me to walk into a classroom and talk about sexual things with little kids of seven and eight? Uh, what, like how you do it? No, that would not be okay. But, but would it be okay to say, I think... Rather than a husband would be okay. But, but, but would it be okay with you if a lesbian or gay teacher promoted being lesbian or gay to eight-year-olds? Uh, I think that she could say, I have a wife, not a husband. I think that's legitimate. Is that promote- nothing in the Florida law for And always glad to take your calls at 866-HEY-LARS. I happen to be a gun owner. I believe in the Second Amendment. Uh, so I've got a dog in the fight in this conversation. I welcome with great joy Alan Gottlieb, who's founder of the Second Amendment Foundation, because we want to talk in particular about a federal district court judge in West Virginia who's issued a ruling uh, in, in the case of a federal law that prohibits handgun sales to 18 to 20-year-olds, calling it facially unconstitutional. Alan, welcome back. Hey, it's great to be with you, Lars. So this is a big deal. It's a very big deal, and it wasn't just a federal judge. It's actually the chief justice of the, of the circuit, which even makes it more important. Now, where does that? Where, now, obviously, this is going to be contested and challenged by the other side, the gun grabbers, right? Well, there's no doubt that the Biden administration, uh, and ATF, its Justice Department, is probably going to file a motion of appeal. Uh, since it just happened, they haven't done that yet, and they're probably going to try and get a stay until it gets it gets appealed. Uh, but it's a big victory. It's a great it's a great decision, and it's hard for them to pick at it. I'll be honest. And there's also a side story to this, which is really kind of interesting. Let's hear because, it. Because uh, in, in West Virginia, it's legal for an 18, 20-year-old to buy a handgun. They just can't go to a licensed federal FFL, very licensed dealer, and buy it because they'll fail the background check because they're 18 to 20. They're not 21 years old. Yeah. So they can go buy it on the street without a background check, but they can't go to a licensed dealer and buy it with a background check, which makes the administration look kind of stupid. Yeah, it does. And and by the way, um, you know, the the Biden Justice Department is literally arguing that 18, 19 and 20 year olds are not adults. Yeah, they have. But of course, they've lost that argument. The judge didn't bite it at all. And the judge did a great opinion that, you know, during the uh, time of the revolution and the Second Amendment being written, you know, 18, 19, 20 year olds, you know, were part of the militia and, quote-unquote, you know, own guns and were allowed to purchase them legally. Uh, so, I mean, it's the historic analogy that the administration is trying to use fell on deaf ears. 
I guess I'm just, I know the judge has ruled that way, but in anticipating that they're going to appeal that ruling, is the Biden Justice Department really going to go to the higher courts and say, you can't tell us that these 19-year-olds are adults? Are they going to stick to that position, or will they leave that one uncontested? Well, I don't know how they can't stick to that position and at the same time appeal it, because quite honestly, that's what the whole case is about. Uh, and if they allow if they allow it to stand, uh, it means that the rulings can take effect nationwide. Well, and and the other thing I'm thinking about is politically speaking, Alan, it, it, for the Biden administration to say, "Yep, we're going to argue that nineteen and eighteen, nineteen and twenty year olds are not adults." Uh, I can just imagine what a really effective Republican response could be with some some ads running nationwide saying the Biden DOJ is in court right now telling all you kids uh, you're not adults and you can't be trusted with the Second Amendment. That that can't go over very well in an election year, could it? No, it, it can't. You know, we've won this type of case in other places as well, in Texas and California. And in those cases, the Justice Department is trying to appeal those. We're trying to get these one in, in multiple circuits to force the Supreme Court to take the case because, quite frankly, we're winning it. We can't, we can't appeal it to the Supreme Court. So we need the Biden administration to be a little stupid and for them to appeal it to the Supreme Court so they can get a national decision and more cementing Second Amendment rights. Come on, Alan. You don't doubt that the Biden administration will continue to be stupid, do you, and especially the ATF? No, I'm sure they will be, and they'll give us a high, higher court victories as we go up the chain. And that's what we're looking for. The Second Amendment Foundation has planted seeds like this all over the country in courtrooms. We currently have 56 lawsuits filed actively going on right now in federal court. In fact, we just filed one today, uh, a little while ago, in California, in the Ninth Circuit, against the city of Los Angeles and the state of California for their concealed carry permit scheme they've come up with. It now costs a fortune and takes, in some cases, a year and a half to get a permit now in, in, in many places like Los Angeles and California which surely flies in the face of the Supreme Court's Bruin ruling uh, th- that you have a right to keep your arms and a right to, right, right to carry. And, and they're denying people that in California, even though we won federal cases against it before. And, and once and so again, we're, I can, we're back I can imagine the, uh, the, the, the optics of that to say, yeah, if you're an elite, if you've got a big bank account, if you know people in powerful places, you can carry a gun. If you're some poor slob taxpayer out there, tough luck for you. The Biden administration is saying that to American citizens. They are, and, and so is Governor Newsom in California as well. Uh, you know, actually, I think it's, we have uh, 18 of our 56 cases nationally right now, all filed in federal courts in California challenging California's crazy unconstitutional firearms laws. They provide a very target-rich environment. Alan, thanks very much. That's Alan Gottlieb, founder of the Second Amendment Foundation. To your calls now. Let's go to uh, Bill in Tennessee. Hey, Bill, thanks for listening on KWAM, and give my regards to Todd Starnes. What's on your mind today? Absolutely. I'll, I'll probably try to call into his show tomorrow. I do that <laughs> frequently. Um, I was listening to that lady that, quote-unquote, couldn't disagree with you more and didn't know where to start. Yeah, <laughs> and I love it. She just didn't have a clue, I'm going to tell you. I watched that entire event. I, I worked from home, had the TV on all day. That scene at the White House, at the Capitol building, started with SUVs lined up across the courtyard of the mall of the Capitol building and, and guards yep. standing on the steps. Yep. In a few minutes, those vans were gone, the guards were gone, the people were crossing the rails, and the guards were literally holding the doors open. 
Yep, they were. I watched and, this happen. And, and you know what happened, Bill. This was a setup from the beginning because Nancy Pelosi, and I wish the Republican could grow a backbone or something uh, to ask these questions. Mm-hmm. Nancy, I mean, three days after J6, I remember the FBI came out and held a press conference. They said, we knew trouble was coming on January 6th. We knew it days ahead, and we told the Capitol Police. Well, who runs the Capitol Police? Nancy Pelosi. Who told the Capitol Police to maintain regular order, no extra gear, no people called back from, you know, vacation, no extra barricades, no nothing? In other words, they were worried about optics. Well, not only that, she wanted an incident. And she thought, if we just stand Mm -hmm. back, there will be an incident. And then I can use it for what she dearly wanted, which was a second impeachment of Donald Trump. Not just that, but an unconstitutional second impeachment, because they knew they wouldn't they would be able to impeach him, but they wouldn't be able to hold the trial while he was still a federal official. And and you can't impeach anybody who's not a federal official. It was so unconstitutional right. that even the chief justice said, I'm not taking part in it, even though the Constitution specifically says that the chief justice of the Supreme Court will be the person who oversees the trial. He said, I'm not doing it. I won't take part in it. No, there are so many things wrong with that. Nancy Pelosi got what she wanted by allowing that incident to happen that way. And all those federal agents in the crowd, they were the people who egged everybody else on. You're listening to The Lars Larson Show. The Lars Larson Show. Okay, it's a nice ride. It's going to happen. Stand by playback. And now, Lars. Real Red Meat Radio. I may be a white boy, but I'm not stupid. This is the Lars Larson Show. Somebody at the White House has been smoking the devil's lettuce. Honestly, provocative talk radio. More than half the women in my cabinet, more than more than half the people in my cabinet, more than half the women in my administration are women. Lars. Our beloved Lars. republic is in the hands of madmen. This is a dark day. No, here's your host. Almost lost my wife, my 67 Corvette, and my cat. Lars Larson. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a Monday, and it's a pleasure to be with you for a little honestly provocative talk radio. And I'll get to your phone calls here in just a moment, but I want to start with Liz Cheney. Please, somebody, will the Democrat Party take Liz Cheney? She is not a Republican. She clearly decided not to run for re-election to her congressional seat. Even her home state of Wyoming had disowned her, and now she's got a book to sell. It's called Oath and Honor, which sounds all very fancy, but she's very concerned about the risk that Donald Trump poses to American democracy. This from Liz Cheney. Take a listen to soundbite number one, please. What happens if Mike Johnson's the speaker on the 6th of January, 2025? He can't be. You know, we're facing a situation with respect to the 2024 election uh, where it, it's an existential crisis. Uh, and we have to ensure that we don't have a situation where an election that might be thrown into the House of Representatives um, is overseen by a Republican majority. Now, can you believe this? She allegedly was a Republican. If the name sounds familiar, her daddy, Dick Cheney, served as vice president. But now, allegedly a Republican. She's always been more of a rhino Republican, Republican in name only. But now she's saying, 
Why, it's a threat to democracy if the Republicans still hold a majority in the House of Representatives, or Mike Johnson is Speaker of the House, or, God forbid, horrors that Donald Trump gets voted in as president because she realizes that Donald Trump is virtually certain to win the Republican nomination. And if the election is held with Joe Biden holding up the other side, she knows that Trump's going to get elected. So she has to put this as literally a vote for Donald Trump may mean the last election that you ever get to vote in. All Donald Trump ever asked for was count the votes, the legally cast votes of American citizens. And yet, listen to this. According to rhino Republican Liz Cheney, Donald Trump, well, he's a fascist. I think that he certainly is employing fascist techniques. I think that the the tools that he's using are tools that we've seen used by authoritarians, fascists, tyrants around the world. You know, the, the, the things that he has said and done in some ways are so outrageous that we have become numb to them. What I believe is the cause of our time is that we not become numb, that we understand the warning signs, that we understand the danger, and that, that we ignore partisan politics to stop him. To stop him. In other words, Liz Cheney is going to join in common cause with the liberal progressives and stop Donald Trump. Doesn't matter how much the American people want him. Doesn't matter how much Republicans want to nominate him. 57, 58 percent support. Doesn't matter that when you do a matchup of Joe Biden and Donald Trump, Donald Trump beats Joe Biden by nine to 10 percentage points. Why Liz Cheney is one of those elites that's going to stop all that. And when she accuses him of being a fascist, I mean, with a lot of people, when they use that term, I just think they don't even know what fascism is. Fascism means a concern for the group or the state. In other words, in a fascist society, your individual rights mean exactly nothing. Whatever is good for the state, whatever is good for the group is what we get done. And yet the Bill of Rights is a repudiation of that idea. The Bill of Rights in America puts the rights of the individual, the protection of the rights of the individual first, and the rights of the rest of society second. In this case, she's accusing him of being something he most certainly is not. Now, to that end, glad to have you with me. If you want to jump into the conversation, 866-HEY-LARS. And if you're a naysayer, we'll put you right to the head of the line at 866-439-5277. Send emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. Our Twitter poll question tonight, should Congress force you to pay a Netflix tax? The tax is apparently the brainchild of Ron Wyden, Democrat member of the U.S. Senate, and Ron Crapo, U.S. Senator and Republican from Idaho, and it kind of floors me because I thought I knew Crapo's reputation better than that. But the idea that they want a digital services tax modeled after the one that Europe has imposed on streaming, digital products, software, advertising, and, of course, collecting consumer information. Should Congress force a Netflix tax? I would say no to that. You can vote any way you like. It's brought to you by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. AMAC has the conservative values I believe in. I joined the group years and years ago. You can join too. Just go to amac.us or call 888-262-2006. AMAC's better. Better for you and better for America. Let's go first to California and Joy. Hey, Joy, welcome to the program. What's on your mind? one thing, but could I change what I was going to talk about? I don't care. It's a free country. Uh, at least so far, okay. it's a free country till Joe Biden's Ministry of Information gets a hold of our free speech. Until then, we're fine. You can say anything you want, Joy. 
was more of maybe a question of you um, or of the um, kind of the Republican or right position. Um, you were talking to the man about the use of guns by the young people. You mean about the fact that the Biden administration says 19 and 20 year olds are not adults, which is hogwash, or that Virginia uh, in West Virginia, the, the, the court cases were brought against the Biden administration said that the ATF has tried to say that 18 and 19 year olds and 20 year olds cannot buy a gun under West Virginia's laws. Uh, yeah, I think that's ridiculous. I, I think that, that you say children uh, technically, when you hit the age of majority, 18, you're not a child anymore. Should the government treat those people like children? Well, what really bothers me is as I look at the statistics, um, you look at the increase in suicide. And that's a particular group that's increased significantly, especially in the last few years. If you and the, and the increase is significant in guns. If 90% of people who try suicide with guns are successful with another means... No kidding. It's hard not to be, isn't it? But, Joy, let me ask you something. Do you think that guns... No, the other thing is the mass mass shooters. With the really large groups, again, it's typically males at that age. And I'm just wondering, don't we at some point... Even with the Second Amendment, you know. Okay, Joy, get to the I question because you're 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 wasting all the daylight. There won't be any room for an answer. Okay. Should we take away people's gun rights? No. Should we say, well, you're a 19, so you're only a, an adult? Okay. No. Again, give those people the rights. Joy, I want to point something out to you. Suicide is a terrible thing. I'd like to see it reduced. It accounts for about two-thirds of all people who lose their life after a gunshot is fired. That's about two-thirds of the, I think they they say it's 40,000 a year. That's two-thirds of that is suicides. And yet guns, you can't prove that guns are the proximate cause because one of the highest levels of suicide in the world is South Korea, where private gun ownership is, if it's not forbidden, it is all but forbidden. It is very difficult to own a gun as a private citizen in South Korea, and yet they have a monumental suicide problem that makes Americans, uh, the American suicide problem pale by comparison. So if you're saying people commit suicide because guns are available, no, they don't. People commit suicide because of mental problems and because of sad circumstances, and it just happens that guns are an available instrument to make that happen. I appreciate the call. Control explain. Want to stop drunk drivers from killing sober drivers? Ban sober drivers. That's how gun control works. This is the Lars Larson Show. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show on this Monday. It's a pleasure to be with you. And I have to always, in the in in line with full disclosure, I have to tell you, I have been forced to be in a, a labor union before. I didn't like it. I didn't stay very long. And in at least one case, I succeeded in helping to decertify that bargaining unit. 
I'm not a big fan of unions. On the other hand, I always tell people, under the Constitution and under federal and state laws, I think you should be able to join whatever silly union you want to be a member of and give them a 1000 or $2,000 of your money if you really want to do something foolish like that. But I follow the... You know, the the antics of unions and Aaron Witt is the guy I know from the Freedom Foundation, the CEO, who knows about the latest craziness that's going on in this case in Miami-Dade County, Florida. Aaron, welcome back to the program. Laws, thanks for having me back on. I'm glad to do it. So Florida's largest teachers union may face decertification under a state law that was passed in May because of their illegal and harassing tactics. Would you mind describing that for my audience? Yeah, not only are they the largest teachers union, not only are they the largest district in Florida, it's also the third largest school district in America. So what's happened in Florida is that we passed a law last session uh, that made it so if membership falls below 60%, then uh, there'll be a decertification vote to get rid of the union. So there's been a, uh, another association set up in Miami-Dade. Uh, we're working with teachers to provide a union alternative to get out the national union and put in a local association ran by teachers that would do nothing except for uh, represent them in labor disputes and represent them in contracts and uh, negotiations. They wouldn't do all this uh, woke political stuff. Now, of course, the teachers unions aren't happy about it. They're harassing teachers to try and get them to re-sign back up. And we've just filed two ULPs down there, unfair labor practice complaints uh, in Florida uh, to stop this practice from the uh, from the UTD, the United Teachers of Dade. You know, because, because Aaron, I, I hope people realize <clears throat> the massive numbers. So give me an example. Do you know how many teachers they represent in Miami-Dade, Florida? How many, how many are members? It's about 33,000. 33,000. They represent 33,000. Membership is less than half of that. Okay, so 33,000 teachers times about 1,000 bucks a year in dues is $33 million. Now, it does not cost $33 million to represent those teachers, does it? No, and that's why we've created this local association, because if these teachers still want a union, and they may very well, but if they still want one, then our dues are going to be 40 or $50 a month, certainly less than half the price of the unions, and all they're going to do is contract disputes, and labor and, uh, and and sorry, uh, labor negotiations. Contracts. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So so they'll do just the minimum. They just won't collect all that excess cash because I've I pointed this out to people. If you take a, a large labor union and they're pulling in thirty three million, let's say they used even half of it on bargaining and resolving disputes and that sort of thing. So sixteen and a half million goes to actually representing the teachers in the union, and the rest of it is political cash which they can spread around almost exclusively to Democrats, whether they're members or Democrats or not. And and you say they're, they're bringing in that much money. And I've always wondered out loud to people, why in the world would you hand over your you know money knowing that you're going to both be represented, but then they're going to contribute your money to people you don't even like the politics of? That makes no sense. Yeah, it's completely absurd. We did a study a couple of years ago on the National Education Association who get some of these dues from these local teachers, and they spend just 7.5% of their budget on representational activity. They spend <laughs> over 50% on politics, on lobbying, and gifts to uh, liberal nonprofits. So when you talk about teachers' unions' dollars, I mean, their primary goal is a political one. It's not to represent their members. In fact, that's just 7.5% of their budget. 
No, and and the end result is you're you're forcing speech uh, because well, Florida is is a right to work state, isn't it? You don't have to belong right. to the union. Am I right? So That's so, right. but right. in in right in non right to work states, which I think is about half the states. If you come to work at a school, they'll say, you have to join the union. And you say, what if I disagree with the union, don't want to join? They say, you have to join. It's in the contract. So you're forced to give money to a political organization that they spend in things that are antithetical to your own beliefs. I don't know why any American would put up with that. I mean, even if it worked out to my side, if you said, well, you got to join the teachers union, we're going to give all our money to the NRA or to Republicans, I'd say I still shouldn't be forced to make political contributions like I'm in some kind of, you know, the communist country, like the old uh, old Soviet Union, where if you weren't a member of the party, you weren't going to be able to do anything effective. Here, it's as, you know, as though they say, well, if you're not a member of the labor union, then uh, then you can't be, you know, you can't be in this workforce. That is forced political speech from my point of view. Well, that, yeah, that's absolutely right, Lars. And uh, let me just correct you on one thing. Because, okay, please. Uh, you mentioned right, right, right to work states. It, in the public sector, it's irrelevant nowadays because... Uh, oh, because of Janus. Janus. You're right. That's You're right. right. So government employees are no longer forced to join a union. So teachers now, we've seen the, the largest decline in American history of public employees leaving their unions in the last five years. We've seen over 700,000 public employees leave four unions in America, the big, the largest four unions. So what we're starting to see now is that teachers and other public employees are fed up of the union politics, and they're taking back that money and taking it out of the union's political, uh, liberal political coffers. Well, thank you for that correction, because I've actually talked to Mark Janice. He's a great guy. He's actually a liberal Democrat. But he said, nobody should be telling me that I have to be a member of a union. And he won his Supreme Court case, but only for public, for government employees. For the rest of the private sector, you can be forced uh, to be in a union if you're not in a right-to-work state. So, I mean, I would think this would be hugely attractive. And if the labor unions, you know, were were to say, Let's respond to what the marketplace is telling us. People don't want to be a member of our group because of what our group does. Then you change. I mean, that's what any sensible private operation, whether it's a grocery store or a gas station or a fast food outlet, they look at the marketplace and say, what are our customers like? Well, they don't like what you're doing. Well, then we better change or we're going to go out of business. Uh, are the labor unions really going to put themselves out of business by insisting on pol- on politics? They're not business people, though, Lars. I mean, I expected this. After Janice, you know, we started running this massive campaign to educate all these public employees and tell them what their unions were doing. And maybe I was naive, but I actually thought that the unions would start to provide benefits to these people. I thought that they'd actually uh, start to convince them to be a part of the union. Instead, what we've seen the past few years is the teachers' unions in particular, they've become more radical politically. Uh, They started advocating for critical race theory and sex ed and, you know, all that other woke stuff that um, I, I, I never would have thought we'd see in uh, in America. But they've they've gone and they've, they're starting advocating for it uh, so publicly now. And that is a large driver of uh, union membership decline. So I, I think they are going to work themselves out of business. I don't know. Uh, I'm, I, I'm obviously trying to help as many public employees as we can to tell them this information. Uh, but, yeah, I don't see them turning it around anytime soon. They just continue to go further and further to the left. Well, and imagine this, the, the circumstances that you outlined in the first complaint you filed, 
So the vice president principal at the school demands that the teacher in question, a young lady apparently, show up at the teacher's lounge. So she shows up thinking the boss says, I got to be here. I'm here. And an, a union organizer is there to harangue uh, the, the teacher into rejoining the union. She had only left a few months before. That's the kind of harassing activity they're doing. So, yeah, what we've seen in the uh, in UTD in Miami, Florida area um, is we've started to we started running these opt out campaigns to tell these people to leave. And because union membership started going below 60 and below 50 percent, uh, the unions needed to sign people up to avoid this decertification vote that we're working on. So they're getting desperate uh, in signing up these people. And, yeah, they're resorting to these tactics. I mean, we heard of one complaint just today from another teacher uh, in Dade who actually was um, approached in her classroom while teaching uh, by the union shop steward trying to convince her uh, that she needs to rejoin the union. I mean, unbelievable. That's Aaron Witt. He's the CEO of the Freedom Foundation. And if anybody wants to defend union tactics like that, I'd be glad to take the naysayer call. You're listening to The Lars Larson Show. The Lars Larson Show. show. Prizes rise every season. Sleepy Joe, he's the reason. Because of this jerk, two jobs you will work. Living in a Biden blunderland. In the stores, things are higher. The situation is dire. What havoc he's wrought. Can't finish a thought. Stumbling round in Biden's blunderland. Prices rising just in time for Christmas. How can we afford to make ends meet? America, Joe Biden has dismissed us. That's why he must go down to defeat. Another year, he could break us down the tubes. He could take us. How low can we go under Sleepy Joe, living in a Biden blunderland? Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. That's our great parody guy, the great Jim Gossett. Always glad to be with you on a Monday. Uh, 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-439-5277. If you're a naysayer, we'll put you right to the head of the line, like our friend Kenny, who's calling in from California. Kenny, thanks for calling. Uh, what's on your mind? Well, Lars, I uh, heard you talk. I'm pretty sure it's you, so I don't want to bite your head off if it wasn't you. Go you for talked it. about... The California legislation passed a bill where parents can lose their children if they don't obey the school by letting them, uh, teachers, counselors, everybody else help change the sex of their kids. 
That's true. Yes. Well, how come it didn't come up on the debate? Uh, between because California Ron governor is, and... I, I, yeah. I think that in every debate, candidates uh, will bring up some things and not others, and that's their choice. I mean, I've, ne- I, I've, I've yet to be... I'm impressed with Ron DeSantis as governor of Florida. I'm not impressed with him as a presidential candidate. So if he didn't bring something up, um, and, and probably because the actions of the state legislature are not the actions of, you know, of the whole country. Every state has different laws. Uh, some states have very different laws. Why would it not come up? I don't know. DeSantis decided yeah. not to bring it up. It's, but, but again, you have to give DeSantis a little credit. Gavin Newsom is a target rich environment. There is so much not to like about the way that he has mismanaged California. So, when, when you're going to go after him on various issues, which DeSantis did, and I think very effectively during the so-called debate, I say so-called, Kenny, because we had Ron DeSantis, who's losing as a candidate to, to seek the Republican nomination for president, and there seems to be almost no path for Ron DeSantis to win the nomination. So you've got a guy who's running for president, but only just barely, and has almost no chance of ending up as the candidate, running against a guy who's not even running for president officially yet. I mean, there are people who think he might step in if Joe Biden decides to step out. But you got two guys who are not going to be president. So what's the debate about? Yeah, so I agree with you 100 percent. I'm glad I'm not chewing your head off because you did say that. It is true. I yeah. just wondered why Governor Casanzas did not bring that up. I think I, I think the shortest answer, because I don't have a special insight into his campaign, <laughs> is he had all kinds of things he could go after Newsom on, and he just chose not to go after that one. But it's a good one to go after because clearly what DeSantis believes in for the state of Florida, which I think has worked out well, is telling teachers, we don't want you indoctrinating our kids, not on sexual matters, not on political matters or anything else. And Florida's done a pretty good job about telling teachers, stay out of politics, stay out of indoctrinating the kids, try to educate them with some valuable information they can actually take into life with them, and leave the rest of that stuff alone. And and so yeah. I couldn't fault DeSantis on, on the way Florida's gone on those issues. California, I could be faulting them all day long. But does that answer your question? Oh, yeah, it does. It just seems because he, he pounded Newsom hard on that information. And I'm just, this seems strange that that didn't come up because that seemed more important than the other things that he brought up. Well, perhaps so. Thank you for listening to me. You bet. I'm glad to do it. Kenny, thanks for the call from California. Glad you're listening on KPAY and Chico. And glad to get your calls at 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-439-5277. Send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. And a shout-out to our friends in Columbus, Ohio, where they listen to Great Talk Radio on WTOH. That's FM 98.9. And you can find my show there Monday through Friday. Let me give you a couple of little updates on a couple of matters that I wanted to make sure we got covered. Number one, North Dakota's Governor Doug Burgum, who may arguably have been the best, smartest guy on the stage at the debates that were held since Donald Trump wasn't there, he's now suspended his presidential campaign. He failed to get enough polling momentum in a very crowded GOP field. I'm hoping that Governor Burgum uh, does not give up altogether, not this time, 
But maybe next time around, he's a young enough guy, he could run for president again, and he is a very smart guy. We've not had the opportunity to have him on the show, but now that he's dropped his presidential campaign, maybe we can get him on now. I have a feeling he's got a real future in national politics. A pro-Palestine protester has been left in critical condition after setting himself on fire outside the Israeli consulate in Atlanta, That's crazy. The city's police chief, Darren Scheinbaum, describes the incident as an extreme act of political protest and said a Palestinian flag was recovered from the scene. Absolutely crazy. At least two people were injured in that act of self-immolation, including a security guard who tried to stop the man from taking his own life. The security guard's condition is unclear. Officials say the protester is currently in critical condition. Oh, and by the way, That young man, the nine-year-old, the Kansas City Chiefs fan, the one who put on the head Indian headdress and all the face paint, well, Deadspin, which is the uh, online organization that accused him of being racist for wearing a Native American headdress and then painting his face half black and half red, is now threatening to sue the publisher and the reporter. Now, his parents have hired... Uh, a law firm to demand that the sports news site Deadspin and senior writer Karen Phillips issue a retraction for the story that was headlined, the NFL needs to speak out against the Kansas City Chiefs fan in blackface and native headdress. They also threatened further legal action against the reporter, against Deadspin, and against the publisher. Finally, we're seeing some people fight back when this kind of nonsense goes on. That young man, is a Kansas City Chiefs fan. I don't know him. Uh, I'd love to meet him someday. But at age nine, he got a very important lesson that political correctness and cancel culture is absolutely gone crazy in this country. Oh, and then we got to talk about this. A federal court has ordered a stay in Douglas Mackey's prison sentence pending an appeal of his criminal conviction for making an anti-Hillary Clinton tweet online. Can you believe that this is the country in which we prize our free speech rights, and yet somebody can end up with a criminal conviction for merely putting anti-Hillary Clinton tweets online, and it's just nuts that that's where it's going. Oh, and by the way, one little update on this. Donald Trump is ahead of Joe Biden in two of the three most tightly contested election sites as the 2024 election approaches. Growing concerns about the economy, well, the economy is in free fall, and border security influencing public opinion. In Arizona, Trump leads Biden by five points. In Georgia, he's got a three-point advantage. Those states, which initially gave their electoral college votes to Trump in 2016, shifted to a narrow, cheating victory in 2020. Back in a moment, you're listening to The Lars Larson Show. talk about serious issues but even lars has a sense of humor i have a joke for you the government in this town is excellent and uses your tax dollars efficiently 
<laughs> this is the Lars Larson Show. Welcome back to the program. Glad to have you with me and always glad to take your calls. And we'll get to those in a bit at 866-HEY-LARS. Send emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. Vote in our Twitter poll. You'll find that every day at Lars Larson Show on Twitter or X, if you prefer, and on our website at LarsLarson.com. John Schweppe joins me now. He's Director of Policy and Government Affairs at the American Principles Project. John, how are you? I'm good, Lars. How are you doing? I'm doing well, but when we talk about new taxes, is there a pro-family kind of tax out there? Because I would think that by definition, aren't most taxes anti-family because they take the family's money uh, that they've earned, members of the family, and give it to the government to waste? Oh, I would say so. Uh, You know, and the reality is that Washington, and that's Republicans and Democrats, are always looking for ways to uh, tax you in some way. Um, And so it's really important that when we have the opportunity to, you know, keep tax cuts in place or, or prevent the government from instituting new taxes, that we make sure we do it. All right. So what is this thing all about, the pro-family tax that Congress might be pushing for? So at, when, when Donald Trump uh, got the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act passed, it was obviously one of his most pro-family uh, accomplishments in office. It was a great, you know, tax bill, but the reality is a lot of it uh, – expires and you know it was not permanent at all and so some of the best provisions like the child tax credit uh, expansion the uh, R&D tax credit the full expensing for businesses uh, all of that is set to expire in the next year or two and so what we're hoping is that Congress which there is some movement on this you know Congress has an opportunity right now it's December not a lot going on Uh, you know this is a good time to do it let's extend what uh, Trump accomplished and hopefully you know, put families at ease knowing that they'll still have that child tax credit in place. Well, so so can they get the whole package renewed? Uh, because for the life of me, I don't understand why they would pass it with the sunsets built in and then let the sunset dates go on by and let the whole thing fall apart. Yeah, there's this whole negotiation on this. I, I had a member ask about that. And, you know, we'd like to obviously extend the whole deal, right? I mean, the individual yep. tax rates and all of that. Uh, the reality here is that, you know, with Senate Democrats, a lot of that's dead because they want to raise taxes as much as they possibly can. And so what we're hoping to do is, you know, get a couple of these bipartisan things that would be helpful to, you know, the business climate. But then also, you know, the child tax credit, I mean, it was a big deal. We, we, this is a Republican policy. We increased it from a thousand to two thousand a child, uh, you know, putting families in, in a spot where they're hopefully paying a little bit less. And, uh, you know, it was really good. But, you know, unfortunately, uh, Democrats are trying to play politics right now and prevent that from happening. I mean, the thing I really don't understand, because, John, I just have a little radio company. I've got three employees and we don't we're not the biggest company in the world for for certain. But uh, three employees, not counting me, since I'm I'm not allowed to consider myself an employee. But that full expensing is really important, and I hope people realize this doesn't just involve gigantic corporations. But let's say I said to my crew, my crew of producers, hey, I'd like to get each one of you a new laptop computer, which you use in your work. Well, under the current rules, the the Trump rules, let's call them that, if I go out and spend, say, you know, $5,000 to buy three new top-flight top laptops, um, I can take that whole $5,000 off in taxes as a deduction the year I I spend the money. If we go back to the old school, I think I have to take three years to write off those computers. And it's never made sense to me because I've always thought, I know there are companies out there right now that may be doing well. 
If they're doing well this year, they say, hey, this is the year we're making a bunch of money. Let's spend it to replace all that equipment that we couldn't afford to really, you know, to to re- replace in years where things weren't going as well. And and then you get the whole write off in the year in which you're making a lot of money, as opposed to right. telling companies, go ahead, buy the equipment. They'll be more conservative or make the other investments you need. Say you want to bring on a new employee. But when you bring that on, you need more space for them. You need computers. You need cars. You need cell phones and all that. But you're going to have to wait years to write off the costs that you're spending right now. The, the, the immediate expensing has always made complete sense to me because the only folks that benefit under the extended, you know, the amortization where you have to take it over several years is the government. And I don't, I don't right. see any need for them to, to benefit. Or you could even make the argument that big des- business that's more entrenched uh, is more able to do the amortization than, say, a small business that isn't sure. You know, they're trying to figure it out and they're trying to expand. They're trying to maybe hire one more employee. You know, it's tough to do. And so I, this, that's what this is about. You know, obviously, the economy is not where it was under Trump. Uh, it needs a boost. It needs, you know, the, the money to be in the hands of small business owners and in the hands of families. And so, you know, our hope is that Congress, again, you know, there's an effort by the Biden administration to try to turn the child tax credit into universal basic income. Right. Oh, like God. They're trying to play politics with the Please. The reality here is that Republicans, this is a good level, right? $2,000 a child full expensing, R&D, so that way our, our corporations are hopefully investing more at home and, and doing a lot of that stuff here instead of in China. You know, this is just common sense stuff. We just got to get it done. Well, and I'm convinced that the reason the Democrats really don't like, say, the R&D tax credit is because they want the government to be the driver of innovation. And I don't think the government on most days of the week could innovate its way out of a wet paper bag, whereas private industry tends to know this is where we should put our money. This seems to you know, bear fruit. So give us a tax credit. We'll put a lot more money in that way. And you have private industry making the decisions. But, of course, the folks in Capitol Hill don't like that because they say, well, then then private companies get to make the decisions instead of us. We here on Capitol Hill because we just know that we're the smartest people on the planet. Right. No. And just to give you a, a case in point on that, you know, the whole debate over net neutrality all the, the fear mongers who are saying we need to, to give this control to the federal government were telling us that our broadband would fail, that they wouldn't invest in it. And now we have much better Internet than, than Europe. Right now they want to, of yep. course, bring that back. So, you know, look, I am a I'm a populist. There are certainly uses for government. But I think when you see a lot of these things, you know, it's just about giving bureaucrats jobs and empowering the wrong people, and, and it's not good for our economy. I mean, God forbid, John, I've, I've always been against the net neutrality idea. And I ask people, I said, have you ever been to the DMV notoriously? And they'll say, <laughs> oh, yeah, I've been to the DMV. It's like it's like going, it's worse than going to the dentist. I said, how would you like the people who run the DMV to be running the Internet? And most of them, even if they're fans of net neutrality, will say, well, that sounds kind of stupid. And I say, yeah, it's it's kind of stupid. Why would you put the government in charge of the Internet and, and of expansion instead of just leaving it in the hands of the private companies that actually provide for the marketplace, give us better Internet than Europe? You really want to turn this over to the DMV, folks? I don't think so. That's John Schweppe. John, thanks very much. He's Director of Policy and Government Affairs at the American Principles Project.
Plan to get your emails. Send those emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. Check out our Instagram feed. You'll find that. You can go to our other social media on X or Twitter and Facebook and every other place. And, of course, check out our website. It's the best place to find, you know, streaming and podcasts and all the good stuff. Glad to be with you. And don't forget, tell Alexa to play The Lars Larson Show. The Lars Larson Show. I may be a white boy, but I'm not stupid. This is the Lars Larson Show. Somebody at the White House has been smoking the devil's lettuce. Honestly provocative talk radio. More than half the women in my cabinet, more than more than half the people in my cabinet, more than half the women in my administration are women. Lars. Our beloved republic is in the hands of madmen. This is a dark day. No, here's your host. Almost lost my wife, my 67 Corvette, and my cat. Lars Larson. My son has not made money in terms of this thing about, uh, what are you talking about, China. He made a fortune in Ukraine, in China, in Moscow, that is simply and various not other places. True. That is a soundbite from just three years ago, in which the current president of the United States, Joseph R. Biden, steadfastly denied that his family had made a single dime from China that he had made any money from China. And Donald Trump was accusing him and suggested that his family was just vacuuming up money throughout China and Moscow and Kazakhstan and Ukraine. And Joe Biden explicitly denied. In fact, I've got dozens of examples. I'll play a few of them for you. And why am I doing that? Because today, brand new information out in just the last several hours shows direct payments from a corporation Uh, owned and controlled by his son, Hunter Biden, a corporation that Joe Biden has always denied he knew nothing about. And yet, in 2018, five years ago, he began getting checks for about $1,400 a month from a corporation owned and controlled by his son that Joe Biden claimed he knew nothing about. And where was that money coming from? It was coming from communist China. Joe Biden is finally going to get caught out in his lie I think this is the reason that on Friday we began hearing from members of Congress there are now the votes on Capitol Hill to be able to take a vote to begin an impeachment proceeding against Joseph R. Biden, currently president of the United States. Glad to have you with me on a Monday. Always glad to take your calls, too, at 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-439-5277. Send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. And if you happen to be a naysayer, and I might get some Joe Biden supporting naysayers today, that's okay. We'd be glad to hear from you. Uh, naysayers go to the head of the line at 866-439-5277. Send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com and vote in our Twitter poll. We put up a brand new poll question on X or Twitter every single day. You'll find it at Lars Larson Show and at LarsLarson.com. But let me get back to what the new information is just today. A corporation owned and controlled by Hunter Biden made at least three different monthly payments to President Joe Biden beginning in 2018, according to bank records released by the House Oversight Committee on Monday. And if you say, well, what's the big deal? Joe Biden got some money from his son's business. Here's the problem. 
Joe Biden has said he had absolutely no involvement in his son's businesses ever. Listen to the first soundbite. I have never discussed with my son or my brother or anyone else anything having to do with their businesses, period. Period. Well, that's pretty definitive for me. Those subpoenaed bank records, the ones that have been, you know, they they are now showing up everywhere in the last several hours, show a payment of $1,380 to President Joe Biden beginning in September of 2018. The committee says that the payments established a direct benefit to Joe Biden that he got from his family's foreign business dealings, despite Joe Biden's explicit explicit statements to the contrary. Take a listen to this next soundbite, soundbite number two. How many times have you ever spoken to your son about his overseas business dealings? I've never spoken to my son about his overseas business dealings. Do you stand by your statement that you did not discuss any of your son's overseas business Yes, I stand by that statement. Now, the fact is, Joe Biden had to stick with that line of argument. It was hogwash. It was a big, fat lie. But why did he have to say it? Well, even Joe Biden admitted why he had to say that. Take a listen to the next soundbite. There's not a single solitary thing anyone said that was done wrong. I don't discuss business with my son because I don't want to have any knowledge of any. I, I don't want to be accused of, well, you talk with your son or you talk with your whomever. And so the fact is, though, Everybody's looked at that. He did nothing wrong. Zero. Now, I want to point out a couple of logical contradictions in what the current commander in chief is saying, because last week the bank records came out that showed that a money laundering investigator for the federal government had written up reports saying he was concerned about a large transfer of money from China that went to James Biden, it went to Hunter Biden, and some of it trickled down to Joe Biden. Now, why was he concerned about that? He said because it appeared that the money, $5 million, was coming in from China, even though Hunter Biden's law firm was not working on anything at the time. In other words, he was getting paid for doing nothing. So what was he getting paid for in reality? Because of his dad's influence. Now, Why did Joe Biden, ask yourself this, and I'd ask a naysayer this as well, why did Joe Biden work so hard to tell folks, I know nothing, nothing, nothing about my son's business deals because he knew that they were illicit deals based on his son peddling influence of then Vice President Joe Biden? Why did Biden in the 2020 debates insist that his son had done nothing wrong while simultaneously claiming to know absolutely zero about what his son was doing? How in the world could Joe Biden say, I know my son has done nothing wrong. There was nothing wrong with anything he was doing, but I know absolutely nothing about what my son was up to. The two statements don't make sense. And Joe Biden explicitly denied that his son made any money from China and that he made any money from China while he claimed to be ignorant of his son's business deals. And let me remind you of this. Joe Biden, as vice president, traveled to communist China. He took his son Hunter with him on the airplane. Now, I've been asking this question out loud for the last couple of years, but let me ask it again. So Joe and his son Hunter get on Air Force Two when he was vice president. They fly 14 or 15 hours all the way to China. They talk about the weather. They talk about baseball. Maybe they talk about girls, although I'm not sure his dad would want to hear much about the girls that Hunter Biden likes to hang out with. 
They spent 14 hours sitting next to each other on Air Force Two and never talked business. And then when they land in communist China, Joe goes off to his meetings. Hunter goes off to his meetings and lands a $1.5 billion investment from a Chinese government-controlled entity to put $1.5 billion into Hunter Biden's business enterprise, his hedge fund at the time, and then gets back on a plane with his dad for 14 or 16 hours. And all the way home, having just landed a $1.5 billion deal, does Hunter Biden say one word of that to Joe Biden? And again, he doesn't. Because Joe Biden has to remain, have, uh, retain deniability. Take a listen to the last soundbite in which Joe Biden is talking about Donald Trump and China. My son has not made money in terms of this thing about, uh, what are you talking about, China. I have not had, a, the only guy made money from China is this guy. He is the vice president of the United States and his son, his brother and his other brother are getting rich. They're like a vacuum cleaner. They're sucking okay, up money. President Every Trump, thank you. We do Not need to true. move on. Did you notice how the moderator in that so-called debate cut off Donald Trump when Donald Trump was getting to the truth of it? The Biden crime family has made tens of millions of dollars, much of it from communist China. And we now have a president of the United States who is owned lock, stock and barrel by Beijing. Back in a moment. It's a Monday. Glad to have you with me on the Lars Larson Show. vegan actually is they say cows are bad for the environment because all they do is eat plants and fart just like vegans this is the lars larson show welcome back to the lars larson show it's a pleasure to be with you and i'm glad to get to your phone calls and emails in a moment if you want to join what we call the best conversation in talk journalism it's right here every day at 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-439-5277. Send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com and vote in our Twitter poll. You'll find a brand new question each and every day at LarsLarson.com. But I want to talk to our old friend, Senator John Bro, who represented Louisiana from 1987 all the way to 2005, but he's still in the fight. And I wanted to talk to him about a Supreme Court uh, hearing that's coming up tomorrow. John, uh, Senator, welcome back. Oh, glad to be back with you, Lars. Yeah, it's a big day tomorrow. Yeah, it is. And I want you to make this understandable for my audience. What the government, some people in the government would like to do is is tax what's called unrealized income, which I've always imagined as you you buy 10 shares of some stock, you know, that that's, you know, Apple or, you know, 10 shares of Apple would be a lot, but 10 shares of Microsoft or 10 shares of Boeing or whatever. And then when you, if they go up in value and you sell it, you had a gain. But, but the government wants to consider you having the gain even before you sold the stock? That's exactly, Lars, you hit it on the head. That's exactly what the issue is before the U.S. Supreme Court tomorrow. Uh, the people that we represent, the Moors, had invested in a company over in India that made farm equipment. And the company made a profit, but they put all the money 
back into the company. They didn't give any of it, didn't distribute it to the Moors, and yet the federal government said that they would owe taxes on the profit that the company made, even though they didn't get a nickel. They didn't get a dime. And I, you know, I'm, I'm just of the opinion that, you know, everybody ought to pay their fair taxes on the income that they have, but they have to have the income before they can be required to pay a tax on it. And they didn't ever, they didn't ever get a, a nickel from income from the company. Well, and, and income has to come in before it becomes income, doesn't it? Uh, although that's probably not a good legal argument. Uh, how in the world does the government make the case that you had income when you didn't get a single dime in a check? Well, you're exactly right. The, uh, the Constitution, uh, uh, when it was amended back in 1913, uh, the 16th Amendment, said that the federal government could collect taxes on uh, gains that are derived from various sources. And if you haven't received a nickel, you haven't derived any income. And yet they're saying that, well, uh, you could in the future, but yeah, in the future, if I do, I'll pay taxes on it. And ultimately, uh, when the Moors did sell their stock much later, they paid taxes on the income that they made. But what they're trying to do now is a tax income that that they never received. And we think that's fundamentally wrong. It's unenforceable. Uh, what would you have? The IRS come into uh, people's property and uh, look at their assets and say, well, you could sell this for X amount of money, and we're going to tax you on what that increase might be. It would be a guess tax. You'd be guessing what you could sell it for. And we just think it's fundamentally wrong and unconstitutional. I'm talking to John Bro. He was in the U.S. Senate representing Louisiana from 87 to 05. He was also a member of the lower chamber uh, from 72 to 87, but I'm not ah. sure. I mean, once you get to the upper chamber, you don't, you don't want to admit that you were ever in the lower chamber? Well, I tell you what, we've been fighting about that. We thought that the Senate was out of touch when we were in the House, and then when we got to the Senate, we thought the House was out of touch, <laughs> and maybe they both were. I guess one of the key features here, John, I know this is about a particular case involving the Moors, but you know that there are efforts going on right now where there are members, most of them Democrats, who say we want to be able to tax unrealized gains, and they want to apply that to, to, to average Americans, say, well, you've, you've got a house, uh, you bought it for $300,000. I know you can buy less expensive houses down in parts of Louisiana. Uh, and now it's worth 400000 We like the taxes on the $100,000 you've gained. And you say, I haven't sold the house yet. They, they would like to be able to tax those gains as well, wouldn't they? Yeah, they're not really gains. I mean, it's a, it's a potential gain, sure. But, I mean, until you actually sell the property and make a profit, you have no income. And that's what I think is so dangerous about this proposition. And and we just think the Supreme Court decision uh, hopefully declares that concept unconstitutional. And, look, our group that we're working with thinks everybody should pay their fair share. Uh, And there are about $680 billion of money that's not collected that are laws on the books that are constitutional through tax avoidance. Or there are ways to raise revenue if you need it. But you can't do it in an unconstitutional uh, fashion like this would be. Well, they've got 80,000 new IRS agents, or they will have 80,000, except certain people seem to be immune from those taxes. I mean, like those whose names uh, include Biden, like Hunter Biden. You know, what, what does it say to the American public when we find out that if your name is Hunter Biden, you don't have to pay, uh, you don't have to pay your taxes and they're not going to prosecute you? 
Well, my, you know, our position is everybody should pay their fair share, no matter who they are or what they do or where they live. But nobody should be required to pay more than they owe. I think American people have the right to make sure that the IRS only levies taxes that are legal. And you should use every uh, part of the law that allows you to reduce your taxes as much as you possibly can. That's legal. That's what people should do. Uh, but no matter where they are or what position they happen to hold, they should pay their fair share. Well, and Senator, the other detail that I've been asked a thousand times, and I've never got a definitive answer, and that is, so I buy some stock for $100, and now it's worth 150 So the IRS collects a tax from me under this unrealized gains nonsense. And then next year, the value of the stock goes to 90 bucks. Does the IRS give me my money back because my unrealized gain just just evaporated? Yeah, your gain becomes a loss, and they actually would. And so that would be an interesting proposition. That's what I was saying about how unenforceable this whole proposition is. You'd have IRS agents running around all over the place to determine what the value of your assets happen to be. But if but it sounds sounds like you're a popular guy these days, Senator. But but if you're in Louisiana and you've got a farm, and and say you 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 hand it to your kids, and the farm's worth a million bucks, the IRS is going to walk in and say we we want to have taxes on all that because you just gained a million dollars. That sounds like it would well, destroy a lot of small business and a lot of farms. Well, you'd have to probably sell your property in order to pay the taxes because nobody has that kind of money just sitting around. Now, the people who want to do something like this talk about how it's only going to apply to very, very wealthy people. But you, know, you go back to history when they passed the income tax in 1913, it only applied to about 1% of the people. Now it applies to over 60% of all Americans pay income taxes. So they start small and get big, and that's the, the history of the tax provisions. Isn't that the truth? Because didn't it apply to anybody who made, what, more than $3,000 a year, which at the time was a stratospheric income? Yeah, that, that's about it. But then it went up and up and up, and now it's almost 60. It's over 60% of the people end up having to pay it now. It was less than 1% when it first started off in 1913. But today it's uh, roughly 60% of all households are subject to the federal income tax. And, you know, taxes go up. They don't normally go down. No, they don't ever go down. Senator, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. Good luck to your clients tomorrow in the oral arguments. I'll be anxious to see what the government is going to argue in terms of why they're allowed to tax money that you never actually got. All right. I like it. Let's uh, let's talk again. Thanks very much. That's Senator John Bro. He's no longer in the U.S. Senate, but he represented the great state of Louisiana until 2005. He was in the House of Representatives before that. I'd love to hear any ordinary citizen who thinks that we ought to put a tax on real on gains that somebody has on paper that they ha- haven't actually received in their hot little hands in the form of a check or cash or anything else. Should the IRS be able to tax you on unrealized gains? If you want to dial into the best conversation in talk journalism, it's right here every day at 866-HEY-LARS. And naysayers always go to the head of the line at 866-439-5277. Send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. Vote in our Twitter poll at Lars Larson Show. I'm not afraid of social media. Check us out on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and all the other social media. And tell Alexa to play the Lars Larson Show. The Lars Larson Show.
At least someone has a plan for illegal aliens. Back in the White House, I will terminate every open borders policy of the Biden administration and begin the largest deportation operation in American history. This is the Lars Larson Show. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you, and I'm always glad to get to your phone calls and emails at 866-HEY-LARS. We know from the U.S. State Department that the State Department knows why the Hamas terrorist organization that still holds a lot of hostages is not releasing women from that group because the U.S. State Department has admitted out loud because those women have had things done to them. And Hamas, the terrorist organization, apparently is worried about its optics and its public perception. So they don't want those women to be able to say, well, this is what happened to me while Hamas was holding me, uh, not only as a hostage against my will, but then they did these things to me as well. So I thought we'd talk to our friend Rabbi Yaakov Menken, who's managing director at the Coalition for Jewish Values, which is the largest rabbinic public policy organization in America. Rabbi, welcome back. And where do we head now with this conflict between uh, Israel and Hamas? And is Israel ever going to be able to wipe out this terrorist organization? I'm much more confident about Israel wiping out the terror organization Hamas. There is total unanimity in Israel about that happening. What I'm much more worried about, or much more concerned about, is the ability of the United States to recover a moral compass after so many students on so many campuses. Not only did they cheer, but National Students for Justice in Palestine declared themselves part of what you were just describing. Part of not only the massacres, but the rapes and the mass beheadings and the burnings and everything else. Uh, and any so-called feminist organization that did not condemn Hamas after October 7 is actually not a feminist organization. They're Me Too, except for Jews, or something like that. It's crazy what's going on. Well, and, and when I see members of Congress, especially the squad, and this Pramila Jayapal, a member of Congress from over the weekend, uh, was asked, will you condemn the rape of these women? And she immediately turned around and said, Israel's done a lot of bad things. And, and they said, no, no. I mean, even, even an outfit like CNN, the Chicken Noodle News Network, uh, was challenging her, saying, you won't condemn the rape of women hostages? And she wouldn't. She refused to do it. Without, not without equivocation. When you right. cannot mention anti-Semitism unless you also mention the mythological concept of Islamophobia. Nobody has it out for months. There's such a thing in this country as xenophobia, but yeah. not a thing called Islamophobia, which is, again, this idea that people uniquely hate Muslims. Being afraid of Islamic terror is not a phobia. It's very real. And to demonize people... And to equivocate like that, to require because Israel committed mythological injustices, and then and they most of the time they are they're either exaggerated, taken out of context, straight out anti-Semitic nonsense, false narratives that justifies rapes. I'm sorry, that never works that way. Nobody justifies acts of barbarism and terror and rapes and hurting children unless the victims are Jews. That's called, we have a name for that. Moral equivalency. Rabbi, let me ask you about this, because one of the things I think the people in my business, media, have been failing to do is every time the Palestinians say, well, we want our own state. Well, your own state does not mean from the river to the sea, because that means you've got to wipe out another country to wit Israel. But on top of that, 
The Palestinians, so-called, have been offered their own state, as I understand the count. It goes all the way back to the 30s, the 1930s, before there ever was an Israel, and has gone all the way forward at least six different times they've been offered their own state. And they could have said, fine, we have our own state. And then the only question would be, can you get along with your neighbors? And if you decide to keep killing your neighbors, uh, then when your neighbors retaliate and, and extinguish you, then then you take the punishment as a state. But they kind of get the best of both worlds because they say we can commence acts of terrorism. The, the people of Gaza and the West Bank can say, the Palestinians anyway, can say, uh, oh, you can't blame us for what they did. They're acting as this this, you know, this this actor that's acting on its own. In the way, the only thing it really reminds me of was Sinn Féin and the IRA. The IRA would go out and blow up and kill people. And then Sinn Féin, their legitimate arm, would come out and hold press conferences and run people for the British Parliament. In this case, you've got... You've got, uh, you know, Hamas that goes out and commits acts of terrorism. And everybody in the U.S. media says, well, you can't blame the people of Gaza for that, except the people of Gaza were the ones who were walking out to spit on the body of a dead uh, young lady who had been raped and had her head cut off. And, and they're giving visual and, and definable support to that terrorism. I really have a problem with this whole concept, this nonsense of Gazan civilians and collective com- uh, punishment. Nobody talks about collective punishment, again, where the victims are Jews. Ha- the hostages that are being held are not only is it punishing civilians for what the government has supposedly done, and again, these rumored mythological crimes, but no matter how you do it, the idea that they're holding civilians, the idea that they're tormenting civilians, and they're tormenting their families back in Israel, all of that obscenity, nobody talks about that collective punishment. Nobody talks about the 400,000 people who cannot live in their homes right now in Israel because Hamas might fire a missile at their home right now because they target civilians, of course, routinely. But meanwhile, these so-called innocent Gazan civilians, the people who drew maps so that Hamas knew where to go on October 7th, were civilians. The people who came after them and kidnapped people were civilians. People came after and and raped and murdered people were civilians. The people who found a guy who had escaped Hamas and was wandering around trying to get back to Israel, the Russian guy who was just released, yep. he said that he had escaped, and the people who found him and returned him to Hamas were civilians. So when you tell me the civilians get caught in the crossfire, I'm sorry. I mean, that's, that's what happens in any conflict. Happened much worse. Obama, the idea that Obama, again, would go after Israel when Obama himself in Iraq did much worse, please. And this mythological Palestinian people thingy, it's all an attempt to replace Israel. Why is it that the map of Palestine just happens to be the map of Israel? (laughs) That's that's some strange coincidence, ain't it? It's as if the whole people, the whole Palestinian people, was a mythological construct just to promote the old anti-Semitic canard that any Jewish property is stolen from somebody else. Hmm, wonder how that works. Now, I got to ask you, though, Rabbi, there's a political component to this. You know that Joe Biden is scared to death 
because Muslims are already organizing, saying we're you know, Muslim Americans are saying we're not going to vote for Joe. We're going to abandon him. And, and he's worried about that. And, and he's going to push back hard when Israel says we're going to go and finish the job with Hamas and, and wipe them out as a terrorist organization. You know, they're going to end up with a lot of pushback from America. The question is, will they listen to it? You know, the anything-goes American super leftist, LGBTQ, do everything, do every, everything you want, but we can't, we're not going to criticize the Muslims because the Muslims are our allies. And that started to dissolve where things like control of schools and teaching LGBTQ to school kids, you know, that's where it started to dissolve. Now it is completely falling apart. Because when it comes to Israel, those with a shred of moral decency understand that good and evil don't coexist in, in, in this situation. One side is the good, one side is the evil. You know, and so the decent American leftist, as it were, is, has on, finds themselves on one side and the squad is, is now planting themselves firmly on the other. It's going to hopefully, I mean, obviously, you want there to be a, a decent, a, a decency restored to American society across the board on these issues. But you're right. I mean, obviously, this is putting the whole left, the whole Democratic Party is in danger of fracturing right now. Absolutely. Rabbi Yaakov Menken from the Coalition for Jewish Values. Rabbi, thank you very much. Back in a moment, I'll get to your calls. Naysayers go right to the head of the line at 866-HEY-LARS. Message from Lars. I'd like to apologize to anyone I've not offended yet. Please be patient. I'll get to you shortly. Who's next? This is the Lars Larson Show. I feel very clear about my position. This is wrong. And you're asking for a phase out of fossil fuel. Please help me. Show me a roadmap for a phase out of fossil fuel that will allow, that will allow for socio, for sustainable socio-economic development. Unless you want to take the world back into caves. Now, you know who that is? That's Sultan Al-Jabbar. And Sultan Al-Jabbar happens to be the president of COP28. Now, if you've been hearing about COP28, it's this giant climate conference. It's going on for almost two weeks. And, of course, most of the participants, people like John Kerry and others, they fly in in their private jets fueled by fossil fuels, and then they all sit around and come up with new ideas to cut the rest of us off from use of fossil fuels. Well, finally, the president of the organization, COP28 this year, Sultan Al-Jabbar, has said there is no science that indicates a phase-out of fossil fuels is needed to restrict global heating because that's exactly what COP28 is all about. Meanwhile, the biggest single polluter, if you consider CO2 pollution, I don't. I think it's plant food. But if you're worried about CO2 in the air, the United States has not been the number one contributor for a good long time. Who is? Well, that would be communist China. 
And is communist China still building coal-fired electric plants? They sure are, because they understand that have a modern industrialized society, which is what China wants to get to, that they want to generate the power they need to run that society. And they understand that even though they're the biggest uh, maker of windmills and solar panels on the planet, that is not going to provide the kind of energy that a country like China needs. So China's plan is to tell the United States and other countries, you have to cut back on your CO2 emissions while we continue to increase our CO2 emissions for a good long time. So am I glad to see a guy like Sultan Al-Jabbar heading up COP28 saying, and I want you to hear what he said because it really is kind of extraordinary. And apparently some of the other people at this conference, they are very unhappy that the guy who is this year's president of COP28 is talking the way he is. Take a listen again. I've been very clear about my position. This is wrong. And you're asking for a phase out of fossil fuel. Please help me, show me a roadmap for a phase out of fossil fuel that will allow that will allow for socio, for sustainable socio-economic development, unless you want to take the world back into caves. Now, now, back into caves. And, of course, the moderator of this, a lady by the name of Mary Robinson, she's chair of what's called the Elders Group, and she's a former U.N. Special Envoy for Climate Change. Uh, she was asking the questions. He was giving the answers. He is also the chief executive of United Arab Emirates State Oil Company called ADNOC, which many observers say is a serious conflict of interest. So do you let COP28 tell the developed countries uh, you can't use fossil fuels? And then do you lock out anybody in leadership who has any connection to oil? Because Joe Biden has a connection to oil. And Vladimir Putin has a connection to oil. And even in China, they have a connection to oil. Even though they don't produce much oil, they have to buy it from the rest of the planet. So COP28's answer is, we're going to make the rules. And the people who actually know what they're talking about, like this guy, who says, show me the plan. If you don't have a plan, you're going to send us all back to the caves. And I think that's absolutely crazy. Glad to be with you and always glad to take your calls at 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-439-5277. Vote in our Twitter poll at Lars Larson Show on X, if you want to call it that, or on our website at LarsLarson.com. Let's go first to Carl. Hey, Carl, welcome to the program. What's on your mind? I was just, you, you brought up a little bit ago about the Netflix wanting to be charged now, attack. No, they don't want to be charged. There's a U. There are a couple of U.S. senators, one Republican and one Democrat, who said we should have a tax on digital services, which would include Amazon Prime. It would include Netflix, Hulu, uh, uh, Disney Plus, and other streaming services. Many of which uh, are not making any money at all. So, of course, the government would tax them right out of existence. Is what it sounds like to me. Or they'd have to raise their price, and and I would pay it. Well, you would, but Carl, Carl, do you understand there's a concept that isn't that hard to wrap your head around? Um, Do you go to any local restaurants? Yes. Okay. And if you go for breakfast, what's breakfast set you back? Ten bucks. Okay. Why don't they raise it to 15 and make 50% more money? Then you wouldn't go. Then you wouldn't go. And usually, if you were to increase your price from 10 bucks for breakfast to 15, you'd make 50, you'd take in 50% more and you'd probably lose 60 or 70% of your customers. And every business knows that. If they thought they could raise the price to 11 bucks, they'd do it tomorrow because they, they want to make more money. 
Uh, and there's nothing wrong with wanting to legitimately earn more money. But they also understand you can only push the prices so high. So if the government says we're going to put a tax on Netflix and the tax is a certain percent, Netflix knows to a certainty that a lot of their customers are going to say, OK, that's too much. And they cancel altogether, which can't which, you know, for the, the tax that might be collected, they're wiping out 100 percent of the income from that customer. And all of those companies know that. You know, I, I believe that's happened with eBay. Thanks to this, who used to be able to, to make up to twenty thousand dollars on eBay, and then if you're supposed to pay tax, they dropped it to six hundred. Well, the only reason I ever used eBay for was for my hobby, so I could buy more hobby stuff. Well, well check uh, check this that. out, Carl. The, the the they that did that was the IRS under Joe Biden, because they decided yeah. to change the standards. Say it was twenty thousand. Uh, and below that, we're not going to bother you. And now they say it's 600 bucks. Carl, if you had two garage sales a year, one in the spring and one in the fall, do you think you might net $600 in revenue from two good garage sales? That's about all of it, yes. And you're going to have the IRS down on you, and they're going to say, where'd you get this $600, and why didn't you pay taxes on it? And if you say it because it was me selling my own stuff, and, and I bought it years ago, and now I'm selling it in a garage sale, you're going to have some of those 80,000 new agents that Joe Biden wanted to have. They're going to be all over you demanding that you document those things. Well, you know, Carl, I've had garage sales, too. If I take a shovel that I bought 15 years ago for $30 and I sell it for $5 at a garage sale, and all of a sudden the IRS is on top of me saying, where's the receipt for the shovel that you say you bought 15 years from now, uh, ago? And I'm going to say, I didn't keep a, a receipt for a shovel I bought. And they say, well, then you're going to pay taxes and you'll pay up to 20 percent uh, on the money you made. So you make 600. The IRS wants wants 120 bucks. But I, and, the, and the kicker on that is I've already paid taxes on that piece yep. of equipment. Yeah, you've already paid taxes on it, and then when you sell it to get your money back out of it because you don't need it anymore, all of a sudden, Joe Biden's new 80,000 IRS agents, they haven't hired all of them yet, but they plan to, are going to be down there auditing every single thing you do. And when they said, oh, we're only going to be going after the rich people, rich people don't have $600 garage sales. Carl, thanks for the call. You're listening to The Lars Larson Show. The Lars Larson Show. Kids heal faster. 